Hey everybody, it's Sabra and Courtney here with Impractical Theorist, episode 5. This week we're going to be talking about mental health awareness, um, proper coping skills, and how to practice some self-love. We do want to give out a trigger warning that we are going to be speaking on topics such as suicide and self-harm. So if these things might be triggering to you, then we suggest skipping past those elements or maybe not listening to this podcast. Also, we do want to add in a little disclaimer that we are not medical professionals. So if you are experiencing suicidal thoughts or ideations, please contact a medical professional or at least reach out to anyone that you can trust, be it a friend, a coworker, a family member, so that you can get some sort of help. Um, we also want to put out the National Suicide Prevention Hotline as they are always there to listen to you. It is 1-800-273-8255. So if you need help, please know that there are resources for you to be able to get the help that you need and at the end of the episode we'll put out a couple more resources as well um we're definitely gonna also be talking about um kind of recognizing warning signs if you are seeing uh maybe someone uh kind of trying to reach out for help um what to kind of look for and how to you know kind of help them even in the smallest way sometimes it matters right and it really does Mm -hmm. um because i know that i've had my experiences in seeing people kind of calling out for help and then I've done that myself and and you know some things that you can look for because it really does make a difference when somebody reaches out to you and just kind of lends himself letting you know that they're there if they if you need help whatever it might be you know they're willing to help you so we we want to put out some resources and uh to you know let people know that you are loved we care um and that the people around you care and that it it doesn't have to stop here and that suicide is not necessarily the answer um you know we'll go in and kind of talk about our own experiences as well um so with that being said uh i i know for me personally that i have experienced mental illnesses since I was a child. Now, granted, I grew up in the early 90s, so I not to say that there isn't a stigma now to this day, but I definitely feel more so as a child that mental illnesses, it was like, if you, you had to be like absolutely quote unquote crazy in order to be really diagnosed with something. Right, um, and, especially back in the 90s. Right. I mean, I don't know. I would say that's maybe when the medicine generate like that's when medicine really started kicking in and like getting um you started getting kind of prevalent probably towards the later 90s or like 2000s where you started having a lot of kids on Adderall or Ritalin um things like that being diagnosed with ADHD yeah which and that's actually uh one of so I started recently like at the beginning of the year I just recognized that my mental health was like really bad and that I'd spent a vast majority of my life not really taking care of it um so I got to a point where I was like, I can't live like this anymore. I have to do something. So um, I reached out to like one of my local health centers. Um, and I know that there, Crider is in a lot of states. And I don't know if it's in every single state, but I do know that that is a resource. Yeah. It's Well, Compass Health, Crider, it's kind of, they sometimes they go by different names. But essentially it's meant for low income or no insurance, uh, having people to be able to kind of get some sort of um not only mental health, but like to see a physician, you know, a primary care doctor as well. And for me, it got to the point where I was like, I can't live like this anymore. I'm so anxious. I'm so exhausted. I'm my, I'm having physical pain because of course your mental health does correlate I into us talking about a lot. Yeah. Physical time. health as well. And, uh, so after, you know, talking with a therapist and a psychiatrist and having them talk with each other, I was diagnosed with general anxiety disorder. Um, obsessive compulsive disorder and then um attention 
deficit hyperactive disorder. Sorry, it took me a second. And then they also suspect potentially bipolar disorder. But if it is, if I, if that is one of my diagnoses or becomes one, it's on the more mild end because I don't have those uh, frequent and really aggressive high highs and low oh, lows. Yeah. Stuff, yeah. Um, and, and I think the one that really shook me the most was getting, obs- was getting diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder, because I think that we paint this picture that OCD is meticulously cleaning your house until three o'clock in the morning. And right, some of the more different levels, right. And the more extreme cases we can see that, but it, what it really comes down to is control of a situation, um, or of your life in general. And that, um, you create order in chaos. So like if you were to just like, you know, take my vanity in my room, for example, it is an absolute atrocious mess at any given moment, but I know exactly where everything is. And if somebody were to move something on that, it would completely throw me off because everything has its place in that organized chaos. And that really works with my whole life in general that I, every day that I wake up, I create a game plan in my head. This is what I expect to do. This is what I'm going to do with my day. And when things kind of happen where that that game plan doesn't work out like it's supposed to or you know I have to make extra stops or uh, alterations to that it like sends me into a panic where I I get you know aggressive or easily frustrated I get upset and then I project those emotions outward and uh you know and snap at people or start to cry and it's because I just I want to have control of the situation and in me going to therapy for the past like six months, it's the biggest thing that we've been focusing on is relinquishing some of that control and sort of letting things be. My favorite topic that we talk about um, is radical acceptance. The idea that you cannot control the situation. It is completely out of your hands. But the idea is that you can control yourself and the way that you react to that situation. And it truly is a practice. It's not something that... Um, you know what? I just want to stop you just for a second because I have really been focusing on this a lot lately, exactly what you're talking about, um, because I have also, especially lately, been kind of experiencing um, kind of the same thoughts of like, I don't have any control over what's going on in the world. I don't have any control really about what's even affecting my life at this point because of the coronavirus and how my life has changed since the pandemic has started. And, you know, it's kind of sent me into this spiral of negative thoughts. But here lately, I've been trying to do exactly what you said. Just kind of, like, accept the situation for what it is and try to, like, redirect my focus. Right. Like, try not to get so absorbed in, uh, you know, all of it and all of the negativity and everything. The what ifs. And the what ifs. And, you know, try to just focus on what's here, what's in front of me, what what can I do? What am I going to do today for my own life? Right. You know, um, to positively impact my day. Um, and it's like, it's not a permanent situation, but like, I feel like it kind of helps to get you through these like hard times. The tough that everybody's times. Having. Right. Well, and, and I think that, uh, this is kind of the perfect time to bring this about because, or have this discussion because, 2020 has negatively impacted and affected millions of people in America. And we are seeing, um, you know, large jumps in the numbers of people that are suffering from, um, you know, mental disorders or illnesses. Um, And 
especially because of how complex, how scary, how um, hard that these times have been, you know, especially with being a lot of people being out of work and financial stability is a, a lot of uh, what keeps people's mental health in a positive place. I know that for me specifically, and this might just be because I grew up pretty poor, but that having financial stability is everything. If I feel like I'm financially unstable, then it like it sends me into this spiral because I'm so afraid of what's going to happen next. Like that's where the where my mind starts to run and we get the the what ifs. And you you can really send yourself into a downward spiral with just those what ifs, that yeah. anxious anticipation of what's right. going to happen next. And you have to kind of consciously stop yourself. You know, you have to like literally literally like almost physically stop, you know, like put your hand over your eyes or your thoughts or you know whatever you're trying to do I don't know what I'm trying to say but like do whatever you have to do to stop yourself from thinking those thoughts because it's not serving you in any way it's just kind of making you panic and freak out all even though like nothing around you could just be like sitting here nothing else is going on around you but all the chaos is going on inside your brain but if you just like I'm not saying it's this easy because it's definitely not, especially on certain days. I know I've got, I've, I have those days probably, uh, frequently every couple of weeks or month, um, where I just, I can't control my thoughts. I can't, I have absolutely no control over, um, making myself happier. Like, I don't care. You could tell me to like, oh, go take a nice bath or something. And I'd just probably tell you to fuck off. Right. And that's, and I think that that is important to note though, because being, there's, mindfulness is important. That recognizing your thoughts and your feelings and trying to gain control over them, it's easy, it's absolutely easier said than done. Right. But mindfulness is also about recognizing what you are capable of doing in this moment, in the here and now. And that if you are in a place where you are, you just can't get control over those negative thoughts. Recognize what you can do in those moments. If, you know, these are the times I think are the most important to reach out. Um, when you just don't have any control over your thoughts whatsoever. Those are the times, at least for me, that I feel most compelled to reach out and try to get help from friends, family. But, like, the other day, I was having, like, a really bad day. Like, my work wasn't going very well. Like, I kind of felt like it was, like, pulling teeth just to put hours in and it's just really frustrating and it gets me down. This weather is not helping, you know, and just kind of everything kind of toppled in on itself. And so I got online and I got on, what is it? Uh, nycwell.cityofnewyork.us. I actually just found it in a um, Google search and they have free counselors that you can chat with online. And I'm sure you could either call you. There's probably like a option to call and um, text too, but I'm, I used the chat and for me, um, they there was a counselor that, like, you know, it was no different than any other counselor I'd ever had. It was no more poor of an experience just because it was a free service. Like, they sat and talked to me for, like, an hour online until I felt better. And then at the end, they were like, well, what do you think you're going to do with the rest of your day now? And I'm like, well, I'm going to think positive thoughts now. Like, because I was able, because I had that, that resource to kind of tap into when right. I needed it. Um, and so... If anyone out there is feeling that way where you just don't have any control over your thoughts, try to reach out. Get on Google. Uh, there's a ton of resources for um, like mental health um, and uh, suicide prevention and things like that. Tons of chat lines. You don't even have to talk to them on the phone if you don't feel comfortable with that. Um, I know that 
when I'm feeling that way, the last thing I want to do is talk. I have issues with talking on the phone anyways, yeah. but I know that being able to text or to like messenger chat with somebody, it can, it at least opens up some sort of doorway for you to be able to talk to somebody. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I think, and most of it is anonymous too. I mean, probably unless you don't want it to be, but like for the, as far as I know, like if you just want anonymous help, that is very prevalent. As right. Well. Sometimes, and, and I think that that is a big element right there, is sometimes just being able to vent your frustrations to somebody and vent the way that you're feeling without uh, some sort of biased um, like input, you know, where, right. where you can just kind of throw it out there into the void to somebody and get it all out there, just being able to kind of unload that emotional baggage. That in itself can be so you know, a positive impact on your mental health For because real. it just it gives you an outlet in order to be able to voice how you feel. And I don't know if any of you, at least for me, I feel usually guilty sometimes if I unload like a lot of my mental baggage on my friends and family. So, but don't feel bad if you're doing it with a counselor or a therapist because this is what they're paid to do. This is their job. And yes, I'm sure it is kind of, you know, hard for them in some level but they did choose this um you know they are there for that resource so don't feel bad you know about about that yeah about being able because I feel the same way it's like uh I you know recently went through a time where I had to put a lot of emotional baggage on my my partner and he just you know he accepted it so graciously and and I think that that's important to recognize that if somebody lends themselves to you and they're genuinely serious about it it's okay to kind of to put some of that baggage on them because they're asking you to. They right. want you to. Right. And genuine people will be okay with that. Whatever it is that you have to tell them, they're going to accept that if, you know, if they truly are lending themselves to you. And I think that that's really important to recognize is that even though we as people with mental illnesses think that we are burdening people with our own problems, that these people are there for that specific reason. They care about you. They love you. And they want to see you get better and be better. And yeah. they are lending themselves as a platform for you to be able to get help. To Not only that, but being on the flip side of it, like being the person who sees, you know, someone crying for help and like reaching out. Like I, being that person, I don't ever feel bad. Yeah. I don't know? ever feel like that person's being a burden or that it's right. too much, you know, exactly. because I want them to be okay. That's really right. the bottom line. And I've had an experience like that where I've seen, you know, somebody on Facebook really calling out and I really, really felt concerned for their mental health. So I sent them a message, you know, and I've hey, done the same thing. What can I do for you? And I sat with them and I talked with them and I looked up resources for them in their state to be able to get help so that they, you know, if they were having uh, like suicidal thoughts or ideations that they could start to overcome that and work past that because I would feel so guilty knowing that I, you know, if I could take, you know, 10 to 15 minutes out of my day to help another person and I chose not to do that. And might I add, if you don't have the mental capacity to take on somebody else's issues, that's not your fault either. Right. You know, you can't save everybody. Right. But if you have the capability and are able to help out, that it's important that we look out for each other, especially in a time where everybody is afraid. Everybody is scared for not only their own, you know, financial stability, mental health, for their family's health and safety. For and, the future of this country. Yeah. And it's for the really, future of the world for that matter. Yeah. <laughs> and and it can be uh, you know, massively burdening in your own mind when you have all of these things that just sort of kind of keep stacking up on each other 
Um, but I just, you know, I would feel so guilty if knowing that I had the capability of helping somebody and I just chose not to out of whatever, uh, you know, be it laziness, selfish reasons, that I would feel so incredibly bad if they really harmed themselves or committed suicide. Right. Because I know that even if it is, you know, 15 minutes of my day, it could impact somebody else's life for the better. And I know that I was able to help that person. I was able to talk them down from that ledge and get them some resources where they might be able to, you know, see a a therapist or a psychiatrist uh, based upon like a sliding scale where it might be a more affordable option for them. Because I know with the stigma around mental health that it is incredibly difficult and expensive to be able to do things for your mental health. And that's yeah. just the truth. Yeah. But there are free resources. Don't think that you have to suffer alone just because you can't afford mental health. Uh, like, if you can't afford to go see a therapist or, you know, something like that. There are free resources out there. I have utilized them myself. So, I, you know, I'm here to say that they're there and they're um, available. And, they're, and they can still be effective. That um, it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be... They and are a, just as effective. Yeah. Yes. And, the, you know, that you don't have to necessarily sit in a professional setting, which mm-hmm. I think this is another kind of point that I want to add is the idea around therapy. I think there's just this, I don't know, for maybe it's me personally, um, but I feel like there's a, not only with the stigma around, you know, talking about your mental health and centering uh, focus around your mental health so that you can be in a better place, but that people have this idea on what therapy is and what it isn't and I think that that is a problem within itself that people think that oh you sit down with somebody you lay down on the couch and they're like what's what, what's going on how are you feeling like right, and it, it kind of puts you on the spot sometimes more than you want to be I, don't, I mean at least for me I don't know how some people feel but like I can kind of see you know it's it's kind of made up to be like this whole thing when it really just comes down to like you know, you talking and you learning from what you are saying, like learning from your own, you know what I mean? Yeah. Learning from your own, like, like taking an experience that you're talking about and, and gaining insight and mental clarity from that experience in which you're talking about. Cause I know with me talking to my therapist there, you know, she'll like, I'll be talking about something and of course, if they're going to ask questions, you know, how did you feel from that? How did, you know, and, and you're able to kind of sit there and think about it and then express how that made you feel. And then they can teach you how to be more mindful of the next situation where you're, where you're experiencing that feeling again and how you can sort of get ahead of the game a little bit and start. I like to think that it's like solving your own problems in a sense yeah. where, you know, you're because able to ask probing questions, you know, to where it kind of leads you into your own and to answer your own questions. Yeah. When I was younger, that used to piss me off. I hated going to a counselor because I was, I even told, I remember saying this to my mom, like, I don't like going to her because she just expects me to answer my own questions. And like, I wouldn't even be there if I could answer my own questions. But but you know, but, but sometimes that's the important part is being right. able to recognize how to answer your own questions or how to help yourself because that's therapy is not um supposed to be forever or at least in right. my experience I know I'm labeled as high functioning meaning I don't necessarily need therapy but it's good for me to go through it because it teaches me better coping mechanisms because in so many places where I was in a dark place I did turn to alcohol or substance abuse to be able to solve my problems and the fact of the matter is that doesn't do anything positive for you whatsoever and that is a truth um and and I know especially with 
coronavirus right now, people are turning to substance abuse and alcohol to try but, and solve their you problems. Know, on the flip side, though, I can totally, I can totally understand because I'm one of those people. You know, I'll I'll drink. Like, just because I don't have anything else to do. Mm-hmm. But also because I don't want to sit here and just think about negative shit all night or, like, feel bad or, like, feel negative. And I can understand people wanting to escape because, especially this year, we haven't been able to escape our own homes Right. Yet. Like, so it's, like, really hard to kind of sit and sit in your own mind for, you know, the extended amount of time that we've had to do that this year. There's a lot of people suffering from it. There's a lot of people getting divorced, so my mom has told me. Um, like, the divorce rate has gone up, which it was already at, what, like 50%, mm-hmm. I think? So, it's already gone up this year alone, and I mean... And domestic violence as well. Yeah, and not only that, but like we were saying, the mental health uh, rates that people are reporting it at has increased by, like, what was it, 60% or something? Um, and then, also, uh, suicide rates have increased... Um, and substance abuse, you know, and so I can understand all of that because I'm, I'm the first one to tell you all I'm right there with you. You know what I mean? Right. And I guess I can, uh, you know, agree to a point and at the same time is not to be insensitive to people. Right. But I mean, yeah, I don't want to come off as insensitive because at the same time I, I, I also understand, you know, as a, um, for, you know, for the past seven to eight years, I would, my cannabis usage was extraordinarily heavy. And that was how I coped with um, a lot of my issues it was like, well, I don't want to be sober, so I'll just get high as fuck. And uh, I think that m- for me, and maybe this is why I, I, do, I guess I do have, you know, a little bit of a biased opinion on it because I can't utilize that anymore because of my uh, cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome and how sick it makes me, I didn't have a choice anymore. I had to find some sort of different outlet in order to be able to find a coping mechanism that wasn't literally going to kill me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think, I think the bottom line, what I'm trying to express is that you don't, there are other options. It's really, you know, I don't want to be insensitive right. because uh, just because I'm not in that place doesn't mean that there aren't people who are and that they don't still deserve love and compassion because they are utilizing substances in order to just be able to get through their day. I think that, it, you know, I want to make that very clear, but that there are other options out there. There are healthy options and it's important to kind of start exploring those mm. and that therapy can help you do that. Right. Um, you know, and, and I think that that's kind of what sucks about the stigma around it is that it's, I feel like therapy is, is such a, um, a classist sort of thing where usually the more wealthy in society are able to get that sort of help right. and the rest of us are just sort of left to fend for ourselves unless we live in a city or a state that has, uh, you know, multiple low cost options mm-hmm. that it, it's not necessarily accessible for everybody. And I think that that sucks because it should be everybody who needs to get help on a mental level should be able to get health help just like being able to go to the doctor or the hospital that these options should be available for everybody to use because I think that if more people were able to afford it bring that up because one of my close friends was recently broken up with I told you about this broken up with by her therapist because she didn't feel that she could afford it right and I think that that (laughs) is just absolutely ridiculous and such a horrible thing for a therapist to do to somebody you know especially in a in this time where we are going through so many difficult challenges and where the and it really kind of like 
you know, if it were me, like, and I were, you know, giving counseling a try again after maybe I had some poor experiences in the past, this would not help. No, not that, at all. <laughs> you know, that would, like, make, just kind of, like, make me feel even more jaded. Right. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, that, because, I, I, you know, I'd like to think that counselors go in it to help people, right? And, and to say such a horribly shitty thing to somebody is, you know, I don't think you can afford it. So I think that you ought to, you know, seek therapy elsewhere. If somebody's already in a, already in a bad place, that could be life or death to them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, yeah, exactly. and I think that, you know, as a, as a, somebody who might be interested in, in, you know, going into the mental health field, if you're somebody like that is listening, please do it for the right reasons. Please do it because you want to help people and you want to see people thrive and succeed and, um, you know, find better mental health and don't, I don't know why anyone would do it otherwise. I mean, I guess for the money, I don't, I mean, you know, I've talked to my therapist about that. It's not like she's some wealthy person, but I know that in a lot of cases they do charge a lot. And prior Mm -hmm. to my experiences with Compass Health, that it was going to be like, 90 to 100 or $150 or more in some instances to be able to talk to somebody just for an hour. And I, somebody who can help you like really do something about like, I understand like, okay, there's different levels. Like, so you can talk to a counselor who's basically just there for the verbal support. Um, then you can talk to a therapist that can kind of delve a little bit deeper. Um, and then there's like the psychiatrist who can, I think your therapist and psychiatrist might both be able to prescribe medication. Not 100% sure on that. So my experience is my psychologist or psychiatrist can, but my therapist cannot. Okay. But I think it's just uh, the the degree, like the degree that they have received through college. Yeah. I think that takes a lot of toll on it. I know that some can, but you know, most that's the dividing line is that um, you're psychologist or psychiatrist will be able to prescribe you medication so what i was getting ready to say though is that you know there's these different levels and the more like that you go up which it kind of makes sense because it's like the more they paid for school i get it but um but the more you go up that those levels you know the higher of risk that you are the more need that you are in like those resources do become less available for you you know if you're kind of the um in the lower to middle class or something Um, because I just know, just for example, when I was like, I think I was like 18 or 19, but anyway, I I had to go pay to go see a behavioral therapist Mm -hmm. and she was diagnosed and she diagnosed me with ADHD and I had been previously diagnosed with, um, generalized anxiety disorder. Um, and anyway, so I had to go see her and the payments to see her were like, I had to go once a month. Um, because she couldn't give me refills on the medication she put me on. Um, it was like a no refill medication. So I had to go back every month and I didn't have insurance at this point because my mom, like, I don't know, for some reason, um, oh, I wasn't in college anymore. So I don't get that after 18, right? you know, because otherwise you get it till you're like 26 or whatever. But anyway, I wasn't in school anymore, so like we had to pay out of pocket, and it was like over two hundred dollars, right? And just I, for one visit, and I think that for that's one ridiculous. Hour. Yeah, you know that this is why so many people have so many issues, and then they don't seek help for it. And I mean, and we'll discuss more about societal pressure, especially when it comes to gender and uh, gender identity and sexuality. Yeah, but like that, it's it's about like I get billed 
right now because I'm not able to go in and actually see my therapist and psychiatrist. Usually it's $70 a visit, which is pretty affordable for what I do and, and the money that I make. But otherwise, it's like, uh, I think it's 100 and some odd, 120. It's like 160. Yeah. Because I just got a bill from Compass. Yeah. I had my first initial appointment um, and my first initial consultation. And um, I have insurance, mind you, that I pay $250 a month for. Um, I have insurance and I still had to pay, I think, 100 or 160 altogether for both of those visits. Right. So it's like I'm paying 250 for my insurance. That's supposed to help me out. Right. And then on top of that, I'm paying the doctor bill. Like, I can't afford all that shit. Right. And I think that and right there, it kind of shows what a scam or, you know, how uh, capitalized that the you know, medical industry has become and health insurance, right? Yeah. And, you know, that it's about money and not about helping people, which is what it should be about. Right. But then again, if you look at our society as a whole, helping your fellow man just seems like this crazy idea now that <laughs> nobody like it's, it's weird to think that people are nice and want to help other people. And I think that that is ridiculous in itself, but, uh, and I kind of relate in a sense as well, because it just has gotten to the point where I can't afford to see my psychiatrist and my therapist and so I've had to stop taking my medication mm-hmm. and, um, and that sucks. You know, I know that it has helped me in a lot of ways to kind of, especially when it help, comes to situations where I'm feeling intense panic or aggression, that it gives me an extra second to kind of calm myself down, um, mm-hmm. to sort of th- slow my thought processes in my brain where normally I would start projecting my anger or my panic on other people or in uh, while on these medications it allowed me to take an extra second to kind of calm myself down and start to think you know and be mindful like what I learn in therapy to go okay you know and utilize those practices where I can start talking myself down off of that ledge and just go okay you know radical acceptance where we can't control the entire situation but let's control what we can where what's tangible for us to be able to take it you know control over and start doing that do focus on that and utilize the energy that we have for that and then the rest will either fall in place or it won't but at least i'm doing the best that i can while focusing on what's within my realm of control right and i think that that sucks and i know that a lot of people are experiencing that where it comes down to a choice can i you know put gas in my car feed myself and my family keep a roof over my head or take care of my mental health right. and that shouldn't be a choice we should be able to do all of that together collectively because it all works together our mental health if we are not in a good place it will start to affect us negatively on a physical realm mm-hmm. and i know that especially with anxiety you know that usually comes with being really tense clenching your jaw having your shoulders tensed up you know clenching your hands um, and a lot of that will then translate to like body aches and pains yeah. um, or, you know, chronic pain. And yeah. then you have to then go to the doctor for that to get pain management for that. And, and that becomes debilitating in itself. And then when you have chronic pain, getting up in the morning and just being able to do daily tasks becomes this monumentous chore. And it's it really it frightens me in a sense that. There are so many people. It was like, what? What was? What did we have? 43 and a half million people in the United States alone have mental health Ill- or mental illnesses. And to think that f- 43 million people can't get the help or don't have access to the help that they need, that terrifies me. Mm-hmm. You know, we should be able, as, as, a, as a first world nation, to be able to 
take care of our people and take care of each other. I think also there's like a huge, like kind of what you touched on earlier there, there's like a huge stigma on going to get therapy or get counseling or get help of any kind, uh, for anybody, let alone for like men, you know, we were talking about earlier about how, uh, for men, you know, it's almost like society conditions them and has conditioned them for hundreds of years to be that strong that stronger like more dominant macho no feelings like you don't cry don't be sad right and like why first of all you know i don't know um and then you know with and it makes sense because men have naturally stronger egos for the most part and so for them i think and this is just me kind of speaking on it not really knowing because I'm obviously not a man so I wouldn't know but um you know they probably feel kind of that it makes them a little weaker um and I don't think that that's you know true for anybody um honestly I think that if you can own your mental health and you can you know know and be conscious enough to like go seek help and like try to dominate that shit Try to get a mental, get a hold over it. Try to do something about it rather than just like suffering and being an asshole to everybody for the rest of your life. I think that that's the stronger way to go. That's the stronger path to take. You, that's saying that you acknowledge that you have issues and that you're willing to do something about it. That you want to change. You want to be a better person. Um, you know what I mean? So absolutely no. I absolutely a hundred percent agree. I definitely don't think that. Men have the same support system and the same sort of compassion when it comes to mental health that women do. I know, speaking from my own personal experience, I'm very vocal about my mental health. Um, yeah. Because to me, I don't think it should be something that we're afraid to talk about. Right. You know, just like women talking about their periods, it's a bodily function that we have. This is that same sort of thing. Right. If you can talk about a physical illness, oh, I have a cold, oh, I have the flu, then we should be able to talk about mental illness as well. And it statistically shows that men do not have the same support system to feel comfortable to be able to talk about that. So they're more likely to internalize their mental illnesses and then turn to alcoholism or substance abuse in order to be able to cope with that. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a problem. We need to start addressing this because it's killing our men. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as, as a feminist and somebody who believes in true equality, they need to be taken care of just as much as we have the capability to take care of, um, you know, our women and, and, that it's important that we acknowledge and create a safe space for men to be able to voice their feelings. You know, there's nothing, I, it just blows my mind that people think that's weak. There's nothing weak about crying. There's nothing weak about seeking help for yourself. There's nothing weak about admitting that you have a mental illness or are going through... Or um, have insecurities, you know, right. or anything that makes you feel like less of a man or like a weaker person I feel like you know yes I'm not trying to invalidate your feelings like this is how society has made you feel all these years your whole life for generations you know your whole family perhaps um but that doesn't necessarily mean anything if we're learning anything in the in today's world it's that you know we are adapting we're trying to become a more wholesome more compassionate people um I mean, at least that's how I, and maybe I see things through kind of rosy glasses, but I don't know, like, that's the way I would like to think that, you know, ways, the, 
that's the way things that <laughs> I can't talk today. That's the way I would like to see things go. Right. You know, anyway, it's just that we move towards being more compassionate towards each other and, you know, more helpful. Exactly. And like recognize, you know, when you're possibly contributing to a negative situation where you could maybe like, cause I feel like a lot of people, um, it's kind of like a monkey see monkey do type of thing. Right. Like they just kind of like, they see or hear someone say something. So they say, go with it, but they don't think about how that would hurt another person by saying that. And that's something that I'm trying to be more conscious about myself because I used to be a very hateful person. Like, Oh my God, I hate everybody. And I still say that from time to time. But that's not entirely true anymore because I really try to empathize with um, with my peers and with people around me. And, like, even, you know, this person in front of me at the grocery store that's doing something annoying. Like, I just try to, like, think in terms of, like, what if that were me or what if that were my friend or... Right. You know what I mean? To be like, more compassionate. Exactly. And I feel like we kind of owe it to... If there's anything... If there's anything that we owe to the white man, <laughs> it's, you know, emotional support. Because if you think about it, I mean, maybe Trump wouldn't be so crazy if he got his own mental health you know, <laughs> assessed. Well, and-, and I think that, honestly, I think that there is an absolute correlation. And I know that when it, especially when it comes to um I'm not races, saying that all y'all guys are like Trump, but I'm just, I just said that for But like, race also takes a major priority in, in it as well. And that, um, you know, in, in other um like not cultures but i guess race you know racial upbringings that mental health is stigmatized even more so you know and that whether you are a black person or whether you are hispanic or you know it doesn't matter what your race is that your feelings are just as valid mm-hmm. the way that you are hurting is valid and that you should seek help and it's time to start breaking this this stigma and this cycle of toxic masculinity yeah. that we push on our men of all yeah. races. Well, I don't know why I said that. If there's anything we owe to white men. I guess it's all men, you know. But I guess I, the only reason I said that is because Statistic- generally we wouldn't owe anything to the white man. Right. <laughs> but- well, and statistically that uh, middle-aged white men make up some of the, the highest suicide rates in this country. But I, yeah. I think that, you know, we, we also need to take into effect the... Um, non-reported cases this is just what we can gain statistically through reported cases that people are more often than not not going to speak out about it at all mm-hmm. and and that is so incredibly dangerous because mm-hmm. then that leads to you know violent tendencies and substance abuse and that you know i i saw this post on facebook and i shared it because i know i have a lot of people and not only in my life personally but that i'm close to that are alcoholics and I grew up in an alcoholic household. My father is a recovering alcoholic and that is, the post was that alcoholism is the slowest suicide or slowest form of suicide. And I, and I can, for me personally, I agree with that, that, you know, you are slowly killing yourself. You don't have to necessarily say that you want to commit suicide in order to be doing things to yourself that will kill you. But I think on the flip side of that, you know, I mean, I've had my own issues, um, and I have had plenty of members of my family that have had, and, you know, I've watched a lot of, um, intervention and things like that, uh, just am fascinated by all of it, really, but, um, and I've also been in the classes, you know, in the alcohol classes and things like that, um, 
several, several years ago. But uh, one thing I definitely want to point out is that um, these people, they a lot of them don't care. You know, they've lost their ability to care. Um, they're in a really dark place. That's why they drink 24-7. Mm-hmm. Um, because they don't want to be here. Because for whatever has happened in their life, they're so ashamed or... They don't like the way that it's going or for whatever the case, whatever the case, whatever your, you know, thing is, um, you know, it's not just all about, I mean, in a sense, it's like me, me, me a lot because they kind of like lose their ability to think about other people as they kind of center themselves and their lives as their, you know, point of focus. Um, and it's really hard to kind of get out of that. It's really hard to get out of that pattern. It yeah. really, really is. And I don't want to be insensitive to that at all. Um, yes, these people, in a sense, they are slowly killing themselves. But I think um, it really says something about um, the way that they're internalizing everything. Right. Because um, they, I mean, if I can speak for them, I would say that, you know, yeah, they are. And they know that. You know, and, and that's the saddest part about it mm-hmm. because it's, um, it is like a suicide. Like they are, they're at least having emotional suicide at the right. moment. Um, and, um, there are tons and tons and tons of resources. I'm not one that is a huge fan of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, but if that's your thing, you know, there, there's that resource out there and they're in every city and they're online and. You know, if that helps you, that is what it is. Um, I'm not a huge fan of it, just personally, because I feel like it... I don't know if I should really say this, but whatever. Um, I just feel like it kind of doesn't allow you to kind of move forward and um, not dwell on it for the rest of your life. Because in their eyes, once you're an alcoholic, you're always an alcoholic. And I don't really believe that. I feel like people can change if they truly have it in them. I'm not saying that there's not people out there that um, don't have such a severe alcohol problem that they can't. So they, they struggle with control. it. Yeah. But like I, I'm not. But I'm also saying that like not everybody just because you've had bouts with alcoholism or alcohol abuse does not mean that that is forever final. And you know, I see. You know, what no, I mean? but I see. Like, your, I see your point. That maybe. Um, you know, and I, I would I never, it's fair, you know, when people, just because they're going through hard things or things that are hard to swallow in their life, you know, sometimes, sometimes people just have those times. And I think that's really unfair to say that just because of that forever, you're an alcoholic and you can't handle alcohol. And you know what I mean? Like, no, it's not a permanent thing. You can learn your way out of it. Like you can learn your way out of anything else. You have to be diligent about it. You have to be very conscious about it. Absolutely. And I can and I, I can't compare um extreme cannabis use to alcoholism. I mean I get that a vice is a vice no but matter what. But in a sense though, it's kind of the same kind of the same thing. I mean, because yeah, it's probably not hurting your body as bad, but like it's still like your form of escape. Yeah. You know, and I and I agree can... with that. And that that's kinda of like my whole point is that a vice is still a vice and and for somebody who had to make the choice, either I can continue my cannabis usage exactly the way it is and I don't care how sick I get, I would eventually die. 
Like, that is, that is a truth. People have died from CHS before, and that would eventually be my fate because I would, uh, the constant vomiting would cause dehydration and then kidney failure, um, uh, and then I would die. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you, you know, these are all just that. They're forms of escape, but there are healthy forms of escape as well. You don't have to rely on drug or alcohol use to be able to survive and and when I got faced with a choice that it is no you know you can continue doing what you're doing or you can get better and you cannot feel so sick all the time and you cannot wake up uh, shaking with just this uncontrollable nausea throwing up for eight to twelve hours a day and you've ex- like you've seen me do it and it's horrible and it's mm-hmm. kind of I feel like it's scary for other people to watch because you know I, I, I know that people would often be like do you I need to go to, uh, take you to a hospital is something seriously wrong with you you're gonna be dehydrated and that in, in the same thing, eventually you're going to be faced with a choice. You, you can either get better and and seek help and start breaking this this stigma and this cycle of repressing your feelings, or you're eventually going to die. Mm-hmm. And that is, I think, a truth that people need to start facing, especially early on, because your death will matter to somebody. Mm-hmm. And I, I just want to make that so apparently clear um, that, that somebody, whether you feel that they do or not somebody cares about you enough to want to see you get better and enough one to see want to see you get help and that right. the danger is in not caring enough about yourself we are all valuable as people we all have something to bring to the table something that's unique that nobody else can share and when you start putting a value on yourself which is something that i learned through going to therapy that your health both on a physical and a mental sense starts to matter to you and it should matter to you you know and and i just think it's important more than anything to start breaking out of this cycle that taking care of yourself is such a bad thing mm-hmm. you know it's not selfish to say no to people it's not selfish to prioritize your health and your needs because a bottom line is that you, no one else is going to take care of you you have to take care of you mm-hmm. and i mean me and you both have been the person to be like, you know what? Today's not a good day. Right. Can we not do this today? Right. Maybe let's do it next week. Right. And, and you know, focusing on just being able to get through the day for ourselves and being able to, you know, take on just the challenges that we have at that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that if you are sub- suffering from substance and alcohol abuse, there are outlets for you to get help. It doesn't ever have, like you said, it doesn't have to be a permanent thing. I know that some people will struggle their whole life um, and, and they, you know, if, if complete abstinence is their way or, you know, going through AA or going to rehab, whatever it might be to get you to that next level where you can start putting some of these negative coping mechanisms behind you, it's important to start prioritizing that and seeking out those options because it doesn't make, I think that's, it's so important to say it doesn't make you weak to do those things. It's important to do those things mm-hmm. um, because you can't get better until you admit that you have a problem and need help. And I, and I think that, like what you said, that's sort of the problem right there is some people just don't think that they have a problem, mm-hmm. you know, and I can't tell you how many times I've heard, well, it's not a problem. I can quit whenever I want. And I've said the same thing. Oh, I don't have a problem with weed. I can quit whenever I want. I don't, you know, uh, you know, I use it to sleep and I use it to eat and I use it to function. And I use it to deal with every single thing that ever happens that's bad to me, but I don't have a problem. But it is a problem. And it became a problem for my health as well. And that's the same sort of fate that other forms of drug use and alcohol abuse are going to get you to. That's the outcome is that you're going to start getting sick. Mm-hmm. And then the people around you are going to start worrying about you even more because when you, you know, 
we can hide mental health to a point, but physical health will become far more apparent more quickly, I think, yeah. you know, that it's, it, you're going to see and the physical that's, effect. That's one thing, especially even for me, that's been hard to kind of connect with is that, like, this body right here is going to be the same body I have in 30 years. Yeah. And I better treat her well. Yeah, because I want to be able to make it to that point. I'd love, you know, to continue to see people. And who- be comfortable and not, like, because I think a lot of us might take for granted, you know, these nice young bodies that we have that can do all these things, you know, and we don't, we really take for granted that, like, we're going to get older one day. Like, I know I'm just going to be turning 30 in a couple months, and I've already had my fair share of, you know, back problems this year, and uh, knee problems and (laughs) different stuff like that. So, you know, it's really started to make me think a little more seriously about my the future of my body and my health. And I've yet to really do anything about it, but I'm working on it. (laughs) Well, I think that it's important to note that small steps are still steps, you know, um, kind of linking back, you know, to the mental illness element of it is that, um, you know, if you're suffering from severe anxiety, depression, or other mental illnesses, I know that anxiety and depression especially are prevalent right now, that if you're, you know, that if your house is a complete disaster and you do not have the mental capability or the spoons, as a lot of people will call it, to kind of, to, to clean it all, to do everything, do one thing. Like for me, my big one thing that I do when everything's a disaster and I, I really know I need to clean, but I just can't find the capability within myself to spend the two or three hours to clean everything. I sweep. Sweeping is easy. It's one thing that I can do that takes away from the mess and it at least kind of organizes things a little bit so that, okay, you know, when I have a little bit more energy, I can start focusing on some of the other things. See, that's exactly the mental like conversation I have with myself on certain days. Like, well, I don't feel like doing it all. So I'll leave it up to my future positive mental health days right (laughs) and it's really not a bad trade-off because I do one or two small things and then I'll have days like I had yesterday where I just wake up at 6 a.m and I hop right to it and it's like a couple hours pass and the shit's done and I didn't even think twice about it it's so weird how we have those like crazy like on and off days like that but like I'll have like very strong mental health days where I got it all under control it's not very often, <laughs> but then on the flip side, we also have those uncontrollable days. Right, you know? where, you know, doing one small thing for yourself, you know, it could be the make the difference. Yeah. Um, I know that for a lot of people who are depressed, like getting up to just take care of yourself, to shower, to brush yeah. your hair, to brush your teeth, well, you know... Uh, right, it, you don't always have to, to, like, put on makeup and do this whole right. thing. Like, you can just do, like, little things that... So, you know, you know if, 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 if your version of a shower that day is just being able to wipe yourself down with a wet wipe and put on some deodorant, you're still cleaner than what you were prior. Right. Um, you know, even if you don't have the strength to, to wash your hair, just brush it and put it up in a bun. You're still better off than what you were prior to that. Exactly. Um, if you Small victories are right. super important. That, yes, and I think that that's important as, you know, positive coping mechanisms to help start putting you through that. I know that people often talk about um, exercise and working out being a big, you know, uh, positive to mental health. But sometimes we don't have the capability exactly. to go through and do that. So I just wanted to say, um, I just wanted to touch on a couple years ago, two years ago, I um, had just moved back to Quincy from Colorado And I was in a really bad place. Like, mentally, I didn't get out of bed for, like, two weeks. Like, I didn't have a job, like, lined up. I didn't care because I was depressed that I was back in Quincy and 
to me that was just the most horrible thing on earth. Um, but more so it was just that my plans didn't work out yet again, you know, in Colorado. So anyway, I was in a really, really dark place and I mean, I lost like, I want to say like eight pounds in like a week or something like that. But I was like severely dropping weight. So I wasn't eating. I couldn't like, all I did was lay in bed in the dark. Nonetheless, the TV wasn't on the like blinds were drawn and everything. I was just laying in the dark because I couldn't. It was one of those times where I just physically couldn't bring myself to do anything. So I didn't care. I didn't care about anything. I was so depressed. It was like one of the darkest times of my life. And I used to cry when I would like talk about it. And now I've, I think I've talked about it enough times to where I'm pretty strong about it. But um, I just wanted to put out there, you know, I was in a really dark place, uh, possibly suicidal at the time. I've gone through different times where I was like suicidal. Um And the way that I started pulling myself out of it was, I guess one day I just kind of realized that nobody's going to pull me out of this, Mm -hmm. you know, like I could either go on living day to day, just staying in bed every day and ruin my own life, or I could try to do something about it. So what the first thing that I started doing was meditating every morning. Um, I tried to like wear clothes that made me feel pretty or like magical or special or you know like my favorite robe or I don't know just whatever just anything that makes you feel special yeah um and then I would just sit in front of my mirror and I would like I would like even make these I think they're so stupid like watching them again but I would make these videos like of talking to myself like positive affirmations and I know it sounds so corny and cheesy and sometimes you're just like fucking shove it with the fucking affirmations and the positivity. Yes. <laughs> like sometimes you're just like not. I don't want to hear it. Yeah, exactly. But I'm telling you, if you just like force yourself to do it, mm-hmm. that's exactly what you do. You, you, have, you have to, to force, force yourself. yourself. Um, but you do that every day and little by little you start pulling yourself out of it. Right. Um, and I like that you said that you would do videos for me when through my darkest times. I would journal. I would just write down every I single. I journaling too. Even if it was like I was having a bad day and I was super hateful to myself, I would still write that down because it at least allowed me to throw it out there into the void and express myself. I, yeah, I'm right there with you. I even have like some journal entries that are like one sentence long and it's like, I'm pissy today. I don't feel like writing. Bye. <laughs> right. But it still lets you get that, that, that internal, you know, the, those internalized feelings. It lets you put them out in a place where, um, you know, you can go back and read them and maybe grow from them. Or maybe you right. can add something in at a later date. And, you know, I, this For is me, what I did. It's always interesting to go back and reread like old diary entries. Like, cause I, I don't write in it every day, but like maybe a couple times a year I do. So it's always interesting to see where I was like mentally, like, you know, a, a year ago from today or whatever. And, um, it, it really shows you like little personal growths that you go through like over the years and like you can see it happening and it's really kind of cool to look back on. So I totally recommend journaling. Um, even if you don't do it every day, just once in a while, like kind of document important things, uh, bad or good that happen. And, um, it really just kind of gives you some perspective, um, when you are doing bad in your life and you can go back and read that be like, wow, I was doing really shitty there, but I improved and things will get better for me now. Right. You know, um, let's see. I feel like I was going to go ahead. 
Oh, it's just, and I think it's what's important to note is that the the tough times that we go through are so temporary, and things are never gonna ever be perfect. Because I like to think of the word perfect as more of a relative term and not a literal term. I don't right. think there's anything in this world that is exactly perfect. Um, but that we have the capability of being in a really bad place, right? That's an experience that we go through. But every victory, big or small, is just that it's a victory. And it helps puts us in the next place, in the oh, next position. This is what I was going to say. Um, this is another thing I started doing, like following starting to feel a little better after that time um after you know kind of coaching myself every day uh for a couple weeks um I finally started okay and this might help some of you like it really really helps me once I finally get even like one day of mental clarity after being like in a really bad place that first day that you get that mental clarity don't waste it like, I always use it to, like, make lists of goals or things that I want to accomplish. And I'm not, like, hard on myself about the amount of time it takes to accomplish these goals. But as long as I'm, like, moving towards them. And you know what? That really helps pull pull you out of things. Because then you, it gives you a, a sense of purpose. And, like, you know, you owe yourself this to, like, you know, do this for yourself. Or, you know, whatever. Whatever it may be. But, like, for me, like, having the mental mental <laughs> mental capacity having the mental capacity to make that list of goals and like having the clarity to kind of know in that moment but just don't waste that time because it's so it could be very fleeting um as it is for people that suffer with mental health uh, illnesses um anxiety depression bipolar whatever it may be um you know utilize that time to try to help yourself um gain some momentum um and it might actually help pull you out of it right well and it's that you know even if the the days that follow for however long you know you're in a bad mental place you've taken one step so when that next day comes around where you are feeling really positive and you have more energy to give then you already have a list of things that you want to accomplish and start you know picking off some of the easier things based upon the energy that you have to give if you have a ton then do some of the more hard tasks but if you don't do some of the more simple ones so that you are still accomplishing things and i think that People think that they have to accomplish it all, get it all done right then and there. And sometimes just taking little baby steps and giving, you know, giving the mark energy. Them off yeah. Too. You know, mark them off the list. Give yourself, like, I always like to celebrate small victories, even if it's just like, ah, I did my laundry today. Woohoo. You know what I mean? Like, if I have been doing mentally bad and then I do something like that, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go get myself a steak for dinner. Right. <laughs> you know? well, or like, and celebrate small victories. Right. And, you know, and for somebody who may be in a, in a worse off place than that and they say right. they didn't have any clean clothes, doing their laundry right. might be a massive victory in that aspect. So right. things that you think are uh, small you know, that the average person should be able to do on a daily basis could be huge victories. And that's something that's worth celebrating. You got that one thing done for that day. Or if you haven't been able to take a shower in a week because you're in a bad place, but you finally got to shower, you know, that is a victory for you. And I think that it's important to, to express that, you know, mental health is not the same for everybody, you know, and people who are diagnosed with illnesses are not going to, they're not going to be comparable to each other because I like to think of it as it's on a spectrum. You have mild to extreme and everything in between that. Um, so 
be kind and be gentle on yourself and recognize yes. that when you know you don't when you're low energy or, and just don't have the strength right. to do big things it's okay yeah. yeah give your and and don't like put all this pressure on yourself because you know what at the end of the day we're all just floating in space right so, that and and it's just the little it's not things that important. important yeah like compared to your whatever you're stressed about literally whatever it is i mean i I know some people are really going through some hard shit right now, but I'm just saying whatever it is can usually just be squashed by not squashed, but sorry, um, kind of overwritten, I guess, in your head, like just focus on yourself. Like, don't worry about uh, your bills or, you know, like whatever you can't, whatever you're worried about that you are not in control of today, let it go for today. And just do what you, yeah, exactly. Coming back down to it and being mindful is do what you are in control over. Right. What do you want for lunch? What sounds really good? You know, what, what's one task that you can accomplish that will set you up for tomorrow? Yeah. You know, or anything. It can be anything. Just do, just mind your own business. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but I just mean mind your own, mind yourself, mind your house, mind, you know, your family, whatever is immediate to you. Don't let the outside stressors take over because sometimes we just need to step away for a minute. Yeah. And realize what's more important. You know, our mental We can health, get overwhelmed by the look continually looking at the bigger picture. Right. When sometimes we just gotta break it down into the smaller elements so that we can sort of focus on those small tasks that will help affect the bigger picture and make it maybe a little more palatable or a little easy and not so overwhelming. Yeah. Um, you know I mean for me, sometimes like if I'm having a really down and out day where like I just can't form the words to speak to another person, I don't. I'll just sit here. I won't call anybody. I'll barely text anyone back. Barely answer anyone on Facebook, you know, like, and I don't feel bad about it. Because sometimes you just need those days where you just need space. You know, you need space from the chatter, from everybody else's opinions, from, you know, whatever is going on in the world that you can't deal with right now. Like, you know, sometimes you just need a break. Yeah. That's okay, too. Like, don't feel bad for having to shut people out if it's what you need mentally to kind of get back on track. Right. And I agree. Mm-hmm. And I mean, uh, you want to, you know, to add in on some things like, you know, looking at negative mental health and how you can tell that somebody's really calling out for attention. Obviously, or not attention, but for help. I really wouldn't right. like to express that instead. But like, you know, long extended periods of isolation where they're not taking care of themselves. I feel right. like that, you know, that is is a, a cry for help. Um I know that a lot of people do use dark humor to kind of cope with things. I've been a person who's done this where I joke about the fact that I was suicidal. I make a joke of it because I feel like maybe that's how I can cope with it. But that's it really not does, as though when you do when you kind of like joke about it like that. I feel like it's also kind of a coping mechanism just to kind of like make light of it in your own head like oh it wasn't really that bad. You know what I mean? Even though to you, you know it was, but I feel like that's your brain trying to swallow what actually happened. Right. You know what I mean? So it can't always be a bad thing, but that is one thing to notice. Yeah. That, sure. Especially what I would like to think when it's like constant, when it's chronically there, continually talking about, oh, I should just, you know, I'm just going to kill myself. It's fine. Like, and you know, something like that. That I would I would do that when I was in my darkest places and was considering suicide. I would just continually make it a joke. 
obviously we use dark humor to cope with things that, and, and it can be very healthy because it kind of makes light of serious situations. And maybe then we can start to process things in our own head. Okay. Maybe it really isn't that serious, right. but check on your friends that make jokes about that all the time. Yep. Um, or that seem like everything is just absolutely positively sunshiny and wonderful, even though you know, they're going through serious trauma, um, or serious challenges. They're, they're calling for help wanted, in that aspect. I wanted to just say this earlier when we were talking about it at the beginning of the episode, but um, one of the things that I've noticed from a lot of uh, friends and people that I've not even necessarily been close with, but just like on Facebook, that's been a huge place for people to kind of reach out for help or like make a cry for help is making a status on Facebook. And I have reached out to I don't know how many people you know, even, not even just, like, suicidal, but just, like, having a really bad time um, where I can, like, recognize that that person's really struggling. And I always, I don't care who it is. I don't care how close we are. I always make a point to send them a message because that's the least I could do. Just be like, hey, you know, notice that you may be going through some stuff. Do you need to talk? You know, and everyone, there's not been one person that doesn't appreciate it. Right. You know, even if they don't want to talk right then and there and that's okay. They, you know, at least you've extended yourself. Exactly. But most, for the most part, like I've, you know, I've even had people be like, you know what? Thank you for noticing, you know? Cause like, that's one thing too, is sometimes we just feel so alone in, in this experience. And like, you know, it feels like no matter what we're going through, no matter you know, all the rough shit. It just seems like it doesn't matter to anyone else. Um, and that's not entirely true. Um, I think that everyone's caught up in their own lives and that's really hard to kind of, um, see it coming from a depressed person. You know, you're just like, Oh, well, everyone's focused on their lives and nobody cares about me. Um, that's not true. You know, even like people that aren't super close to you care about you, right? You know, at least care about your well being. They might not know much about you or like, be more than acquaintance with you but like that doesn't mean that they aren't there to talk and I'm one of those people so if any of you are ever like need somebody to talk to um I probably say Brett absolutely I'm Um, always there to listen to people no matter what I'm not gonna say we don't have our own mental health struggles um so you know we might not be there like 100% but we'll try to you know like because that's the last thing that I want is for someone to make a rash decision, a permanent decision on temporary feelings, you know, and uh, when I could have maybe talked them down or like, you know, help you realize I've had a lot of friends that have been suicidal and one of my closest friends, I'm not going to say who it is, but you know, she was set on it. She was dead set on it. And like, she just knew when she was going to do it. She told me all the time and I just worried about her constantly, constantly and I, you know, whether she called me, a, whenever she called me, you know, I'd pick up, we'd talk for like three hours, you know, and after a while she started to come out of it. I'm not saying it was because of me, but I did try to like throw things out there like, hey, you know, you need, you should try branching out. You know, if you don't feel like you have a, re- a purpose right now, a reason to live, do you know how many things out there in the world that you don't even know exist right now that mm. could make you happy? You know, there's so many things in this world, so many things. Like if your life is like, say your life is in this little bubble here and you don't really kind of branch out at all, there are so many other bubbles 
in the world that you can branch out and like see things in a new way. You could find a passion for doing something that you didn't even know existed or that you would even know that you would enjoy doing. Um, it's right there underneath the pillow. But, um, yeah, I mean, so, um, really I'm just saying this just, you know, for on both sides. So if you see something, act on it. You know, if you see someone, you know, needs help or something, you know, even if you don't feel like you have the mental capacity to take it on, maybe talk to one of your friends. Be like, hey, do you mind checking in on so-and-so? Because they might, they sound like they need some help and I'm really not, you know, in the place right now. But maybe ask one of your friends to do it, you know, like that cares and, you know, might want to make a change in someone's life. But, um, you know, if you see something, say something. Right. And I I wholeheartedly believe that. But just, yeah, just to sort of recap on everything um, before we end this episode, just know that whether you, you know, no matter your race, your sexuality, your gender identity, um, your religion, no matter what sort of label society puts on you, that your mental health is valid and that there are resources out there um, that are low cost or free that can help you whenever you are experiencing, uh, you know, poor mental health and that no matter what, that you are cared about, that you are loved and that you are deserving of, um, you know, the help that you need and that you are deserving of a good life. Um, and that there are people who care about you and and just want to see you do well. And again, we just want to state that um, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. If you absolutely need help, please give them a call that they will listen to you and at least help talk you down from that ledge and give you more support. Um, And then you can also go to nycwell.cityofnewyork.us. You can call, text, chat, whatever you need to be able to get some uh, free counseling in that moment so that you can prevent yourself from making a permanent decision to... And I might also say you don't have to live in New York to do this. I just got on there randomly off of Facebook and I just kind of clicked on it to see if I could go through. And they don't ask you where you live. It's totally anonymous. Um, I'll just say... uh, So she read off the nycwell.cityofnewyork.us... That's the website you can get on for a free chat, or you can text WELL to 65173 or call 1-888-NYC-WELL. Um, also, just want to throw out there, anyone needing emergency help, always dial 911. Yeah. Um, but with that, guys, I think that's the end of our episode for today. Uh, we hope that we're able to kind of reach out, and if any of you are experiencing um, any uh poor mental health, please feel free to reach out or um, contact one of our uh, resources um, that we just threw out there. Um, Also, we want to hear your stories. You know, if you want anything featured on a future episode um, where we think that we could put it in and relate to it, um, please feel free to send us a message. Um, Please always give us a like on Facebook. And if you have anything um, that you want to post on Facebook that you think we want to see, Hashtag Impractical Theorists. All right, guys, that's it for today. Thanks for listening.